Well, this morning we are starting off our new sermon series called Holy Habits, Five Habits for Spiritual Growth. And at the start of every year, I have it in my mind uh, to remind us of our mission, our vision as a church. Uh, if, if you recall, if you were here last year, we did a series called Every, uh, where we dived into uh, eight different statements that reflect our church's values. And I'll be weaving those into this sermon series as well. Um, and this year, I want to look at four key priorities uh, that our church uses to help us fulfill our mission of connecting diverse people into a compelling Christian community and growing them into, into disciples of Jesus who reach our neighbors for Christ. Um, so I believe we have this up on the screen, if we can flash that up there for you. Uh, we have a picture of these four key priorities of connecting people in community. We want to grow disciples of Jesus. And the fruit of that growth is we, uh, those disciples reach others for Christ. And in the center of that is the practice of weekly worship, the, the thing that gives life and energy to all of those other things. And so in this series, we're going to talk about a habit that goes with each of those priorities, as well as a bonus fifth habit at the end of the series that I'll get to later. Friends, the best athletes never outgrow the fundamentals, right? I mean, every good coach keeps the fundamentals in practice. And in, in the same way, Christians never outgrow the fundamentals of the faith. And I think a pastor does well to regularly remind the flock of the fundamental things because they are fundamental. They are the most important. And so if we neglect the fundamentals, we neglect what is necessary to a growing faith in Jesus Christ. So I believe it's essential that I regularly remind you and help us reflect on and recommit to the fundamentals of the faith. And I think every year is a good rhythm. So today we're going to start with the habit of connect. My sermon is entitled Habit 1, Intentionally Connect. We want to intentionally connect. So to help us reflect on the importance of connecting with others, um, we're going to turn to the wisdom literature of God's Word um, because here at Faith, we believe everything is centered on God's Word. And so in all my preaching and all our teaching, we strive to be centered and biblical to the Word of God. So I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We'll be looking at uh, uh, verses 7 through 12, uh, which Rita read for us this morning. And if you're familiar with this book, you know that the writer often calls things in this life meaningless. This is meaningless, or this is, this is vanity, this is all a waste. And so in verse 7 and 8, the wisdom writer begins and says, Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. So it begins by saying, there was a man all alone. And this should immediately give us some alarm bells going off because something is deeply wrong here. You see, when Adam was in paradise, when Adam was in the very presence of God, before sin entered the world, before the fall, everything was perfect. And God said what? It was not good that man should be alone. Even in paradise with God's presence, with no barrier between him and God, God said, it's not good for you to be alone. If that was true of Adam in the garden, how much more is it true for us on this side of the fall? It's not good to be all alone. So this man is in spiritual danger. He is all alone. 
No spouse, no business partner, no friend, no son, no brother. But we might ask, well, what about his parents? What about his grandparents or his cousins or his extended family? Where is this man's family? I think Pastor Tim Keller has a great analysis of this text. He says the relationships that really feed the human soul in the human heart, they have been destroyed by work. First of all, his family is not there. Why? Probably because of neglect. His friends are not there. Why? Well, he just never spent any time to maintain friendships. He was just too busy. Secondly, he just became so one-dimensional and uninteresting because all he ever did was work. He didn't attract any friends. And thirdly, he alienated and trampled on people on the way up to the ladder. And thus, he was all alone. We can become friends so consumed with tasks, with work, with material goods, with climbing the ladder, with striving to make money, we can end up living a miserable and meaningless existence, as was said in our text. See, the wisdom writer concludes this is, this is meaningless, it's a meaningless life when you don't spend time to intentionally cultivate rich connections of friendship and family. He even says this lacks enjoyment, this lacks joy. This is something that does not bring us peace and joy into our life. But in the Jewish wisdom tradition, often the writers depict two different ways of being, two different ways of living. And so this is true here. We see the, first on the one side, we see the lonely person who is consumed with work, consumed with money, too busy for friends. And and then the writer concludes, this is miserable and joyless. But there is a better way, a better way. In verse 9, the writer says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So you might hear this text uh, read or used at weddings, and that's great. Um, But to be clear, this passage isn't specifically or uh, especially about romantic love. The main point of this passage is that living intentionally connected is better. Living in relationship with others is the wiser and the right way, the better way to live. If I could sum up the main point of this passage in one sentence, it would be this. We are better together. We are better, better together. And this is true in a very general sense. We all need friendships. Even secular people need friendships in their lives. Uh, But I'm going to focus on how this is especially true of the church of Jesus Christ. So as Christians, why are we better together? Well, number one, we complement each other in our common mission. We complement each other in our common mission. Verse 9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. You know, we all know that teamwork is important in sports, in drama, in business, the workplace. Even in our families, it's important to work together. You know, we all know that two heads, two skill sets, two personalities, two experiences, two different backgrounds, that's better than just one. We know this. This is common sense. And if sports teams, if businesses, if all these different areas recognize the need for teamwork, how much more should the Church of Jesus Christ recognize this? This is how God wants us to live and be together. In the Holy Spirit, in His wisdom, He determines that we do not have every spiritual gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, Just as a body, 
though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And Paul goes on to say in this passage that the eye, can, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I mean, how ridiculous is that? The eye needs the hand for, for everything, for so much. You know, and I, and I don't think, you know, people in the church, it's not like you're going around and, 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 and looking at, at Heather or Steve and saying, I, I don't need you. You know, like, no one does that kind of thing. That would be ridiculous. But we all have tendencies towards self-sufficiency. We all are tempted and bent towards independence. And in the name of that independence, in the name of that self-sufficiency, we begin to live unattached, unaccountable, unconnected from other people's gifts, from their correction, or from their advice and their encouragement. The truth is, we need, we need each other. And, and don't lose the fact, the, the importance of that word. It's a need. It's a necessary thing to our, to our lives. You know, one of the values at our church is every member is a minister. Every member a minister. We believe that the Holy Spirit has gifted each and every one of you with a powerful spiritual gift that is necessary for the healthy functioning of the body of Christ. And yes, I have my role as pastor, which is important, but you all have a role to be a minister to Christ's body. So I just want to ask, are you playing your role right now? Are you using your gifts? Are you contributing your experience and your wisdom to the group? Because we are better together. And without the contribution of all or yours, we aren't as strong as we could be. We aren't as strong as we could be. So I, I shudder to think, friends, where our church would be without its prayer warriors. We have a group of people who pray on Monday nights, uh, and their main agenda is just to pray for the church. I shudder to think what we would do without that small group of people doing that. I shudder to think where our church would be without its encouragers. Many, many of the folks in our church who simply write notes or emails or thank yous to strengthen the body, where would we be without those people? You know, our building campaign has been a team effort with Heather Snyder and Angela Broman leading the charge, but many, many other volunteers as well. We could not, we could not have done it alone. We could not have done it with one person. It would be folly. No, it was a team effort. Church is a team sport. We're, we're an army that marches together. We're a body with many parts that need one another. And so I tell you every week in the benediction to go be the church. Go be the church. Because we are the church. We are the body of Christ to each other. And when we use our gifts, when we reach out to connect with others, when we strive to make a positive contribution, we are being the church of Jesus Christ to each other. We are ministering to each other. And that's how the, God wants us to live with one another. We complement each other in our common mission. The second reason that why we are better together is that we support each other when we fall. We support each other when we fall. In verse 10 it says, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So the sage, the wisdom writer here, is using the imagery of a journey through the Middle East. And falling in a pit or falling off a ridge was actually a real danger. Um, and if you literally fell all by yourself, that would be extremely dangerous. Can you imagine hiking all alone and, and, and falling and needing help? That's extremely dangerous. And so in the same way, this is true spiritually. If we're going through a time of trial or a time of sorrow, Maybe a loss or emotional difficulties or other hardships. 
It's dangerous if we're just all alone. And we know as we walk through this life, we'll, we'll encounter many hardships. We will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we need each other to lift one another up. Because we're not meant to bear the burden all alone. And in order for others to bear your burden, others need to be aware that you have one. There needs to be an intentional connection, an intentional sharing, a practice of vulnerability. Can I just encourage all of us to practice being more, more vulnerable with each other? To sharing how we're really doing with each other? That's one of the healthiest things you can do. To let someone else know that you're going through a hardship, a difficulty. To ask for prayer. To let the care and prayer team know that, yes, I could use prayer. You know, often our pride keeps us from leaning on other people for help. Often our pride keeps us from even asking for prayer. How prideful could we be if we don't ask for prayer? The Apostle Paul, he asked his churches all the time, would you pray for me? If the Apostle Paul needed prayer, don't you think we need it too? We need to ask each other for prayer. Wisdom says that we need help when we've fallen into difficulty. And not only that, we need each other's help on this journey of, of becoming and being a disciple of Jesus. Because sin is a powerful enemy. A powerful enemy. And overcoming sin, especially persistent sin, that's something that's really hard to do by yourself. Nigh impossible. In Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul talked about this, and he said, Dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful to not fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. So Paul is using a similar picture here of people walking a path, of people walking a journey, and someone who's following Jesus falls into a pit, a pit of sin. And when that happens, the church is meant to humbly and gently come around, support and lift that person up, because the burden of sin is also not meant to be born alone. And I believe this is why uh, the early covenanters, the movement of which we are a part, they made a regular habit of asking each other, and most of you know this, how goes your walk? How's your walk with Jesus going? Because they wanted a regular check-in. How are you doing? Are there any burdens you're, you're, you're bearing right now? Is there any sin you're struggling with? We would like to know so that we can support you and pray for you. That's a powerful question. A regular check-in of how you're doing spiritually. And I think we all, we all need something like this. This is how the Methodists as well. That's how this, that movement, movement exploded. It was a weekly meeting of Christians gathering together and confessing sin and praying for one another. There is power in vulnerability. There is power in sharing our weakness. And that's how we connect. That's how we bear each other's burdens. But I think often we have trouble admitting sin or admitting that we need help and uh, I just want to bring to your mind 1 Corinthians uh, 10, verse 12 through 13. It says, If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So, first of all, if you think you're strong, be careful because you are, are tempted just like everybody else. You're going to need help just like anybody else. And remember, everyone experiences temptation, every one of us sins. So let's, let's not pretend like the world is perfect people here, followers of Jesus. No, we all need help. We all have struggles. We all have difficulty. So we don't need to be embarrassed that we have those. We just need to be open, vulnerable, connected, sharing those things with others. 
This is the wiser way to live. This is the healthier way to live. Living in transparent connections with other followers of Jesus. We need help when we fall. The third reason, friends, why we are better together is because we keep each other passionate for Jesus. We keep each other passionate for Jesus. In verse 11 it says, Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Now again, the imagery is a journey through the Middle East, and cold nights would be very common. Um, but remember, there's no sleeping bag. There's no winter jacket. There's, none of the, uh, there's no uh, tent from REI. There's none of those things here. Uh, but, and friends, they would literally have to lie down together to share their body heat so that they could keep warm. And so when the writer asks, how can one keep warm alone? You know, we're not used to thinking like a traveler in the Middle East. But the expected answer is it can't be done. It's basically impossible. One person can't keep warm alone at night. No, you need somebody else. You need the warmth of somebody else. And this is true for us spiritually. We can't stay warm alone. The body of Christ is meant to be built up together. You know, and I have a little prop here I want to use to talk about this. Show everybody online. This is a, this is a charcoal chimney. Anybody uh, here prefer uh, grilling with charcoal over gas? Anybody that's a big charcoal fan? Yeah, absolutely. My kind of people, I prefer it, though it usually takes longer. It's only, I only use this for special occasions. I'll just flip on the gas if I just want to cook up a steak or something. But uh, if you've never used this before, what you do is you, uh, you take the coals and you, you dump it here in, into the top, and it catches into this basin, and then you light a fire underneath here. You throw some newspaper and whatnot, and you, and you let a fire grow, and then because the coals are all contained within this chimney, they warm one another. They warm each other. And if you've ever, uh, and then once, once everything is hot and, once the, and, and the coals have turned white, then you dump it into your grill. And if you've ever done that, you might, see, you might see a couple coals that get loose. They don't stay with the pile, and maybe you can't get it with your tool. And if that coal gets loose, there's not a lot of hope for that coal. That coal is not going to do a lot of cooking for you. It's not going to do a whole lot. In fact, it's probably just going to cool off. You see, the coals have to stay together in order to spread heat, in order to keep warm, in order to function the way they were intended. In the same way, we need to be so closely intertwined with other believers in order to keep warm, in order to stay passionate for Jesus. If you want to see a Christian that's on fire for Jesus Christ, I bet you'll see them closely connected, walking with other followers of Christ. And if you aren't connected, if you aren't intentionally connected, you'll be like that coal that gets loose, and you won't be functioning the way that God intended for you to function. You'll have difficulty keeping warm. Now it may be impossible. It's almost impossible to keep warm alone, which is why the church puts so much emphasis on gathering together. And the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, uh, verses 24 through 25, says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Oh, man. The early church, they lived with a fire. Jesus is, is coming soon. And if Jesus was coming soon then, if there was an expectation then, how much more should we expect it now? Our Lord will, will be here. The day is drawing near. So therefore, encourage one another all the more. 
gather together all the more. Don't neglect the intentional connection that you need to stay encouraged, to stay alert in the battle, to stay passionate about Jesus Christ. You need that in your life. We keep each other passionate for Jesus. And finally, friends, we are better together because, number four, we spiritually protect each other. We spiritually protect each other. The writer says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Now, if you remember this, the story of the Good Samaritan, the, the man is, is beat up because he's walking alone on the way to Jericho, right? And he's beat up by bandits. And so, you know, again, we're not always aware of the dangers of traveling in the Middle East, but that was a big danger, that if you were alone, you could be overpowered by uh, bandits that might be on the road. And so that's what the wisdom writer is saying here. One person will be easily overtaken, but two can defend themselves. And that's true spiritually as well. You know, it's easy to be deceived by Satan if you're just, if you're just all by yourself, if you don't have someone speaking truth into your life. It's easy to be deceived if you have no one who gives you counsel, no one who gives you correction, no one who gives you rebuke or encouragement. You see, the enemy, the enemy operates by lies. He is the father of lies. And so we need people who will remind us of what is true. It could be something we're, we're struggling or we're, 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 uh, we're down because we're believing a lie or we could be stuck in a sin because we're believing a lie and we need a brother or a sister to come and say, let me remind you of the truth. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And you need somebody else because you can get so caught up in your head. You can get so caught up in the lie. You need someone else to come and break that stronghold with the truth of God's word. You know, Psalm 141 verse 5, the writer says, Let a righteous man strike me. That is kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to pray that prayer to be honest. It's not easy even to receive advice sometimes. Nobody wants unasked for advice, let alone correction. But if we want to be counted among the wise, we will receive it. In fact, we might even seek it out. And if we, if we offer it to others, let it always be gentle, full of grace, knowing that we too have struggled with so many things and with so many sins. But we protect each other by speaking the truth to each other. And we also... Protect each other by prayer, by prayer. In the Apostle Paul's famous passage on the armor of God, he concludes it with this in Ephesians 6.18. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let me remind you this morning, friends, prayer is a mighty weapon. God can do way more than all we ask or all that we can imagine. God can do way more. And so prayer is a way we protect each other. When we take prayer requests in meetings, when we, pray, when we pray over one another, that is a protection. And having a friend who regularly prays for you, that is a gift from God. You know, I shudder to think what we, what we would do without the, the regular group of people who pray on Sunday mornings. I don't know if you know this, there's a small group of people, uh, right now it's been 8.45 in the morning. Um, it used to be in person, now it's on Zoom. But they pray every Sunday for the service, that God would move in a powerful way, that the enemy would be protected, uh, or we'd be protected from the enemy from this place, that God would speak to us in powerful ways. We have no idea how many answers to prayer God has had through that one prayer meeting. I mean, it is amazing. 
I started to think what we would do without that. That is a spiritual protection over the body of Christ. Prayer is a mighty weapon to help and protect our brothers and sisters, our friends, our family in the walk we have with, with Jesus. So friends, we are better together. We are so much better together. We complement each other in our mission. We support each other when we fall. We keep each other passionate for Jesus and we spiritually protect each other as well. So this is why our key habit is to live intentionally connected. Let me ask you, how do you plan to live intentionally connected in 2021? What's your plan? Are you going to be, it doesn't happen unintentionally. It has to be intentional. What are you going to do to be more connected in 2021? You know, just as with the fire chimney, uh, it's a tool to keep the coals together. The church needs tools to keep Christians together in relationship. And so one of these tools that we use at our church is called small group. It's a tool, it's a container for people to live in connected relationships. And we believe in the power of that ministry. When you have a small group of believers that walk with you, that support you when you fall, that pray for you when you're going through hardship, that remind you of the truth that we have in Jesus. It's a community where you are complemented in your walk. And so we're always looking to add new people to groups. We're, looking, we're always looking for new leaders of groups. Um, and COVID has made that challenging at times, but we hope that things will get easier and more open as the year goes on. Um, so if anybody would like to be in a group, if anybody who's currently in a group that would like to start a new one, we're always looking to do that kind of thing. Marie is our small group coordinator. And you can uh, either online in the, in the, uh, the check-in form or in the back of your Connect card, just write small group and, and we'll get in touch with you. We love to get you in a group so that you can be in this intentionally connected relationship with others. But for you, might, you might already be in a small group. And so for you, I ask, what's, what's one step? What's one step you could take to live more intentionally connected this year? What's one thing you could do? Friends, let's live intentionally connected this year because we are better together.